There are times in the Bible in which people ask God for something, and God granted their request even though it was contrary to his will. Now, you're probably like me. I can think back sometimes I asked God for some things that weren't his will, and I'm glad he didn't allow me to have them. But sometimes he does. The first one we looked at was in Numbers chapter 11. You remember when the Israelites got tired of manna? Can you imagine getting tired of Krispy Kreme donuts? I can't, but they did. The perfect superfood. It gave them everything their body needed, and yet their flesh wanted something other than what God provided. That fell just as far away as it possibly could have, away from my easy grab. Probably should pray while I'm down there. Um, feeding the flesh. Feeding the flesh. And the Bible says in Psalm 106 that he gave them their request and sent leanness unto their soul. Then we looked at 1 Samuel 8 when the people wanted a king. And the reason they wanted a king was because all of the, all of the nations around them had kings. They wanted to be like the world. And what was the result of that? Exactly what Samuel predicted. You will lose your kids, you will lose your substance, and you will lose your blessing from God. And that's exactly what happened beginning in Solomon, Saul to a degree, but certainly in Solomon right on through. Now this morning, we want to speak on the subject of disregarding the devil. And we're in 2 Kings chapter 20. Interesting. The three things that come against the Christian is what? The flesh, the world, and the devil. The reason this work, this book works together so beautifully is because it was written all by the same author. He used about 40 or so different writers, but the same author, the Holy Ghost of God. And it is in complete harmony and unity with itself. And we're thankful to have that. So we'll find our way to 2 Kings chapter 20. Hezekiah has been told by Isaiah that you're going to die. Set your house in order. For thou shalt die and not live. And Hezekiah made a request of God and God granted it. But in doing so, Hezekiah disregarded the devil. Father, would you help us as we look to your word? I don't know what I sense this morning, but I sense something. It, it's a heaviness, but not necessarily in a bad way. I think it's the heaviness of responsibility that, that you want something for us this morning. And I pray that we'll have the good sense to accept it, whatever it is. May Christ be lifted up in our time together. May we glean exactly what we need from you. Would you forgive me in all the ways that I fail you, Lord? As best I know, I'm right with you in this moment. But Lord, if there's something that I've done or not done that's displeased you, Father, would you reveal it to me that I might make it right? And would you use me in spite of myself? And may Christ be glorified. For it's in his name we ask these things. Amen. We're going, to follow the same, we're going to follow the same parameters, the same pattern that we have in the other two messages, beginning with what was the request. What request did Hezekiah make of, of the Lord? Well, 2 Kings 
chapter 20, verse number 1, In those days was Hezekiah sick unto death, and the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, came to him and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Set thy house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. And he turned his face to the wall and prayed unto the Lord, saying, I beseech thee, O Lord, remember how I have walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart, and have done that which is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept sore. Now, he doesn't explicitly say, give me more time, but it's implied there. And the Holy Spirit didn't see fit to give us that entire conversation, but it's implied there. He's asking for more time. Now, at first blush, there doesn't seem to be anything wrong with this request, does there? Now, if, if my understanding is correct, when this is brought to his attention, Hezekiah is 39 years old. He's young. He's been afflicted with something that manifests itself in boils. Um, Some would argue some kind of leprosy. I don't know. But he's been told that he's going to die at 39 years old. Would it be out of the realm of good practice if you're 39 years old and somebody tells you you're going to die to go to the Lord and ask him to preserve your life? That in and of itself is not wrong. Okay, And we find that's true in all three of these instances, it wasn't just the basic request necessarily that was wrong. God did intend for them to eventually have a king. God did have other options of food for them. But it was the way they went about it. Many have asked God to extend their life and have not sinned in doing so. The question that we need to answer is this. Why would God take the life of a king who up to this point has been faithful, has been godly, has been dependable, has been used of God mightily? Why then would God at 39 years old decide that his time was done? I have a theory. And we need to treat it as such. This isn't doctrine. This is my sanctified theory. Could it be that God in his foreknowledge saw where Hezekiah was headed and in his mercy was going to keep him from getting there? Let's let's try to flesh that out a little bit. I have actively prayed of the Lord. Lord, if in your foreknowledge you know that one day I will, God forbid, I will dishonor you, dishonor my family, dishonor this church, would you take me before I can? I would rather die than go to heaven than be allowed to do that. And if God were to honor that request, he would be most merciful in doing so. We've endured three miscarriages. Many of you have endured more. Some of you have held babies in your arms. It's a natural thing to to try and figure out what, Lord, how do you get glory out of this? Can I be transparent with you about our experience? I've often wondered. The three children that we never got to meet, who we will meet, by the way, the three children we never got to meet. Did God in his foreknowledge know they'd never come to Christ? And I'm not saying that's always the case. Please don't think, but I've wondered that. 
Because if God knew that those babies would never come to Christ, was he not merciful in taking them now that they might be with him? Sure. I don't know how much it helps to try and really think through these things, but I have wondered why at 39 years of age, Hezekiah, who some argue was a more godly king than David, and, and there's an argument to be made because we don't see anything about Hezekiah committing adultery and then killing the husband to cover it up. Why at 39 would God decide to take him? I guess the truth is I don't know. But what do we know from the scripture that Hezekiah did become? In these extra 15 years, what did he become? You know what we find out in verse number 8? He became faithless. Why do I say that? Because when Isaiah came and told him that you're going to live, what's he say in verse 8? And Hezekiah said unto Isaiah, what shall be the sign that the Lord will heal me? What's he saying? How's God going to prove that to me? That doesn't sound like much faith to you, does it? Or to me? He became faithless. i tell you what else he became. He became foolish. In verses 12 and 13, We see the emissaries from Babylon coming, and Hezekiah just throws open the doors and shows them everything. Can I tell you something? That was foolish. And maybe worst of all, he became frozen. What do I mean by that? Verse number 17. Verse 16 says, Isaiah said unto Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord. Behold, the days come that all that is in thine house and that which thy fathers have laid up in store unto this day shall be carried into Babylon. Nothing shall be left, saith the Lord. And of thy sons that shall issue from thee, which thou shalt beget, shall they take away, and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Then said Hezekiah unto Isaiah, Good is the word of the Lord which thou hast spoken. And he said, Is it not good if peace and truth be in my days? Can I just tell you, there's a certain coldness about a man who can be told that his kids and his grandkids are going to suffer, and he says, as long as it doesn't happen to me. There's a coldness about that. I'm nowhere near having grandkids, but I'm already praying for their futures. So God saw something in Hezekiah that was troubling. And yet Hezekiah pleaded for more time. So what was wrong with his request? Again, under normal circumstances, this request is not unreasonable. Often God has been happy to grant someone additional time with his blessing. Many of us have seen those situations where where it looked bad. I hope you don't mind me using you, Brother Earl, but i got to say i got to think about you. There was a point at which we were all bracing ourselves that Brother Earl was going to heaven. And as I recall, you weren't really asking for more time. And I don't blame you. Heaven's nothing to be afraid of. But we did. We asked for more time. So I guess, you know, sorry. I believe with all my heart that God honored the request of his people to keep you here. Still things for you to do. You ever heard that old line? God's put me on this earth to accomplish a certain number of things. And right now I'm so far behind I'll never die. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. I was waiting for those Cambodian amens to start cranking out. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. <laughs> what was wrong with his request? Well, the problem with Hezekiah's request was twofold. Number one, it was completely loaded with pride. You say, why do you say that? Loaded with pride. Look at what he says. Uh, we'll start in verse 1. Set your house in order. Thou shalt die and not live. And he turned his face to the wall and prayed unto the Lord, saying, I beseech thee, O Lord, remember how I have walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart and have done that which is good in thy sight. Do you see a problem there? Lord, look what I've done. Look what I've done. The longer I'm in the ministry and the longer I try to serve the Lord, the more I realize I really haven't done anything. Everything you see, everything that we enjoy, everything that we see happening, it's got little to do with me. In fact, nothing to do with me and really nothing to do with you. Although I'm thankful for your faithful service, but when it's all burnt down to its essence, this is the Lord's doing and it's marvelous in our eyes. God's the one that gets the things done. Yes, Paul, Paul will plant and Apollos will water, but God gives the increase. Hezekiah, be reminded, you haven't done a thing except God in his grace empowered you to do it. Loaded with pride, and pride is always the first step that leads to us disregarding the devil. Now, we're getting to that. Don't forget the title. We're getting to that. But you know what else? It was completely lacking in purpose. When he argues his case before the judge, he spends a whole lot of time talking about what he has done and spend no, spends no time talking about what he wants to do. And we can really easily fall into this trap where we get so mired in the past, we can't seem to move ahead into the future. If God's going to give me another 10 years, another 20 years, another 30 years or more, then I ought to have in my mind some things that I want to do for God. Yeah. Oh, God, if you'll give me more time, this is what's on my heart. This is what I believe you laid on me. This is what we want to accomplish. I can't be caught up in what we have seen done and where we have been. No, we've got to move forward with some purpose. This kind of aimless living is a recipe for disaster because we're going to see he got 15 more years and did nothing with them. Yep. What was the request and what was wrong with the request? But then what contributed to the request? What would lead him to make this request? Number one, a total lack of foresight. Remember, he's looking backward. He has no plans for the future. Now, I understand that we have to live within the, the bounds of common sense and not run ahead of God, but we're in trouble if we stop seeing into the future. The Family Life Center. Some might argue we don't need it at the moment. I would argue we do. But even so, what's wrong with trying to see something that hasn't come to pass yet? I think of our new auditorium. 
Now, we're getting closer to needing a new auditorium, but we're not there yet. And when this place packs out, we have some options. But we're getting there. What's wrong with looking into the future and saying, Lord, this is what I'd love to see you do, and this is how I'd love to be a part of it if you'd let me. But Hezekiah is stuck in the past. There's a lack of foresight. We saw also there's a lack of trust. Verse number five, God gives the message to Hezekiah. Tell Hezekiah, the captain of my people, thus saith the Lord, the God of David thy father, I have heard thy prayer, I have seen thy tears. Behold, I will heal thee. On the third day thou shalt go up into the house of the Lord, and I will add unto thy days fifteen years, and I will deliver thee and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. And then verse 8, And Hezekiah said unto Isaiah, What shall be the sign that the Lord will heal me? and that I shall go up into the house of the Lord the third day. It's not unreasonable to ask for more time, but Hezekiah displays a lack of confidence in the very character of God. How do I know God's going to do what he said he's going to do? Now, before we're too hard on Isaiah, we do that too, don't we? How do I really know God's going to do what he says he's going to do? I've told you before, one of the things that I've struggled with in my lifetime, I have seasons in my life where I struggle with the assurance of my salvation. I've heard preachers say that if you ever go through that, then you're not really saved. Can I give you the Greek term for that? Hogwash. But when I have those seasons and when I have those doubts, do you know what it really comes down to? What it really comes down to is I'm asking this question, how do I know God's going to do what he said he would do? Because what does the Bible say? The Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Either he's going to do what he said he's going to do or he's not. Lack of trust. And we see this blossoming, unfortunately, in Hezekiah's life. You know what he forgot? He forgot what Abraham nailed down in Genesis 18. Do you remember when God comes to Abraham and he's talking about what he's going to do with Sodom and Gomorrah and how that's potentially going to affect Lot? And Abraham's asking him if there's just 10 righteous people. Gets him down to 10. If there's just 10 righteous people, will you spare it for the 10's sake? What's his argument in that whole thing? He says, be it far from thee to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked, and that the righteous should be as the wicked. That be far from thee. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? You know what Abraham's saying? I just believe that you're going to do the right thing. Hezekiah lacked that confidence. You know what else he lacked? He lacked foresight. He lacked trust. He lacked wisdom. Verse 12. At that time, Baradak Baladon, and yes, you should be impressed that I got that right the first time. And at that time, Baradak Baladon, the son of Baladon, king of Babylon, sent letters and a present unto Hezekiah, for he had heard that Hezekiah had been sick. 
Again, hogwash. He didn't care a thing about Hezekiah. It was an opportunity. I tell you what this reminds me of. I was in the home one time of a family. And remember, I've pastored two churches, so it doesn't necessarily mean here. I was in the home of a family. <laughs> anyway, um, he wasn't feeling well, and they had called the emergency crew. And the emergency crew was there checking him out, getting his vitals and all that. And I was there with him. About that time, neighbor popped their head in the door. So the rescue squad, are you all right? I just want to make sure you're all right. And when he left, that gentleman looked at me and said, he don't care if I'm all right. He just wants to know what's going on. <laughs> Can I just tell you, these emissaries weren't sent because the king of Babylon cared about Hezekiah. Yeah. There's an opportunity. Yeah. And Hezekiah should have known it. Yes. He should have known it. Let's keep reading. Verse 13, Hezekiah hearkened unto them and showed them all the house of his... The pride kicks back in. Showed them all the house of his precious things, the silver and the gold and the spices and the precious ointment and all the house of his armor and all that was found in his treasures. There was nothing in his house nor in all his dominion that Hezekiah showed them not. Can I just tell you what that was? That was dumb. I'm really... Struggling, struggling is not the right word. I'm evaluating what our community outreach should look like because as a society, increasingly, we're getting more and more to where knocking on somebody's door is seen as a threat. Be honest. What do you do when there's a knock at the door and you're not expecting somebody? Most people don't just, hey, somebody's at the door. No, most of us hit the floor. Look out the window. And I'll tell you, me, when people come by selling stuff, I just assume they're scoping the place out because I'm cynical like that. So when I come to the door, somebody knocks on my door. Can I help you? And if they're constantly doing this, looking behind me i have a standard answer your house sure is beautiful yeah god's been really good to us he's given me quite a gun collection too <laughs> what do you want i'm not that blunt i'm not that mean but what does hezekiah do yeah. hey come on in let me show you all my stuff yeah. and you know there's somebody in that group writing stuff down 15 gold censers, a bed, big enough for 18 people. Look at that throne, man. That was dumb, Hezekiah. Can I tell you something? When we've gotten to a place where we ask things that are contrary to God's will, we've started to lack in wisdom too. What is the, can I just tell you, we, we ought never be unkind, but there is room for healthy skepticism in a Christian's thinking. There are people out there that mean you harm, and it's okay to ask the right questions. Yeah. 
Somebody knocks on your door. Hi, I'm such and such, and I'm running for this office. You better ask some questions. And even after they give you your answer, you still ought to ask questions. The Bible says we're to be wise as serpents, but harmless as doves. Wise. Ephesians 5, verse 15. See then that you walk, what? Circumspectly. That means you see all the way around. Kind of like I am when teenagers have guns, you know, like water guns and Nerf guns. You better walk circumspectly or they're going to ambush you. Can I tell you something? The world's looking to ambush you. The devil's looking to ambush you. Your own flesh will ambush you. You better walk circumspectly. Why? Redeeming the time because the days are evil. So what resulted from the request? We see that Hezekiah did indeed become faithless, foolish, and frozen. What happened to those in his family? Verse 17 and 18. Behold, the days come that all that is in thine house and they which thy fathers have laid up in store unto this day shall be carried into Babylon. Nothing shall be left, saith the Lord. And of thy sons that shall issue from thee, which thou shalt beget, shall they take away, and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. His descendants became eunuchs and slaves, and his nation was carried away into captivity. That's what happened. I can't help but wonder, had God taken him when he initially was going to, would that have pushed off the captivity of the Israelites maybe just a little bit longer? Maybe. Maybe. But here's the so what. This, this, let's just go ahead and sew it up right here. Andy, the title of this is Disregarding the Devil. What does that have to do with anything we've just talked about? Here it is. The Babylonians represent the devil. Okay? And what did Hezekiah do? He invited the devil into his home. Gave him access to everything. Why? Because he was loaded with pride and he lacked purpose. His lack of trust, his lack of foresight... His lack of wisdom caused him to not see someone who was clearly an enemy as a threat. He disregarded the devils that were right in front of him. How many of us, because of our lack of wisdom, our lack of foresight, our lack of trust, our lack of purpose, our loads of pride have swung open the doors of our homes and our hearts to the devil himself because we just don't see a threat. I don't care if my kid watches that movie, it's not a big deal. My kids are going to have friends that aren't good influences. That's just part of it. And what we've done, well, let's not leave it with the kids. As a parent, I let things into my life that are dangerous 
that are devilish, and I just don't see the threat. We're not living circumspectly. And as such, we have opened ourselves and our families and our churches to destruction. 1 Peter 5.8, be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. I don't want a show of hands, but I wonder how many of you would say that verse 19 almost offends you that somebody would say that. Good is the word of the Lord which thou hast spoken. Is it not good if peace and truth be in my days? I wonder how many parents could not fathom ever saying that, oh, it's like happen to my kids, that's fine. It can happen to my grandkids as long as it doesn't happen to me. And we say, I'd never think that. I'd never feel that way. And yet, if little Johnny graduates without getting arrested, or little Susie graduates without getting pregnant, I've done my job. If that's how we see things, we are no better than Hezekiah. Because what are we saying? I can clock out now. There's going to be peace in my day. No. When is my responsibility for mentoring and helping my children end? When they put them in a box or they put me in a box? Or we all go up together. We look at Hezekiah and we see someone who started well. But he finished poorly. Because when God granted him his request, all he did was use it to disregard the devil.